Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Editor Knows Best. I am Katyra Poland. I am the creator and hostess of Editor Knows Best, a podcast for writers and authors. And I'm also the CEO of Love for Words, which is an editing boutique. And we transform manuscripts into books. Today, we have a special guest. He is a two-time best-selling Amazon author and owner of Prevail Publishing Group. His children's books have been read across the country in public schools, learning centers, and have also been praised by educators, parents, and of course, children. He's an advocate for children's literacy and representation for minorities within his imagery. He is currently working on two more children's books while penning his first adult book as well. Um, adult readers will be able to access his book later this year. Um, it's urban literature novel and a self-help book as well. And thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and I welcome everyone to Basim Greg. Thank you, thank you. You make me sound awesome. <laughs> you are, you are. So can you just tell us a little bit more um, about yourself and also the current projects that you're working on? Absolutely. So um, obviously my first three offerings, offerings they've been children's books. Um, I'm currently illustrating two more children's books. Uh, the first one is going to be entitled One Day You'll Be King. The second one is Soya Special. Um, One Day You'll Be King will be directed towards young African-American men. And Soya Special is going to be more towards the Hispanic community. And um, hopefully we should have those out within the next two months. Just depends, you know, what we're dealing with this pandemic right now. Awesome, awesome. I'm excited for those to come out, and I'm sure you'll have um, plenty of readers and their parents who would also be interested. So, are you self-published, or did you go the traditional route with your books? No, I actually self-published myself. Um, the, the biggest thought process that actually got me towards self-publishing is knowing that, historically, going the tr traditional route, you're looking at three months, six months, possibly up to a year before you get a, a yay or a nay. Uh, I wanted to bend that curve and speed it up. We live in a microwave society. Um, I didn't see a reason to have a middleman. I knew that I could possibly do it on my own. So I absolutely did everything start to finish solo. Right. And I echo the same sentiments. I did try traditional publishing once, but like you said, it does create a middleman. You have to wait for your books to be ordered. Also split your um, revenue for your books. So I ended up um, you know, ending that contract and now I self-publish as well. So um, I awesome. hear that a lot and I'm glad that authors have the option to have creative control of their projects. Um, so what inspired you to write children's books? So coming out with a children's book was definitely nothing I planned or was even on the table. What happened was I actually received my ancestry last year and it was an amazing experience. I felt completely different. Um, and I really wanted to just share that excitement, so I immediately started writing. And once I was writing, I realized that even though the experience felt great and I wanted to share that experience, there was no way to really turn that into a full-fledged novel or even a novella. So I created a character and I pretty much put those sentiments into my first children's book, which is Deeply Rooted. And it tells the story of a young girl who goes to school, she's energetic, she's excited, she's happy. Um, but the teacher actually gives her an assignment of heritage or history day, and she's just completely thrown through a loop because she doesn't know or recognize her history until she speaks with her parents. 
So I was hoping that'd be a good segue for people to either get their ancestry, but if they already know it, to give that information to their children because we all have a history and we all are truly are deeply rooted. Absolutely. So what were your results for your um, ancestry test? I am extremely happy to tell the world anytime I can that I am a Nigerian man. Um, I, I stem from the Fulani and the Yoruba people. And just knowing that pretty much completed a lot of the dots, learning the history of the country of Nigeria and what they stand for and knowing that they're considered to be Africa's giant and the way that the men walk and talk and carry themselves. I see a lot of the same traits of myself. So it, it pretty much completed a picture for me for things that I've always thought about since a child. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. And I know that a lot of our, um, you know, specifically Black people, I think it's important for us to have to, such as ancestry to learn where we stem from considering our history. So I'm excited that you had the opportunity to encourage other people to also do that as well. So as a writer of children's books and just in general, does writing exhaust you or energize you? I would actually say both. I mean, I get completely energized whenever I write something that say, I myself would love to have read for someone else. And I've honestly written things that truly made me get excited and I walked away. I congratulate, congratulated myself, pat myself on the back, you know, give myself some praise like you did that and you killing that. So in those aspects, I'm completely energized and I, I can't wait to continue the story. But at the same token, I've also found myself feeling exhausted and or depleted whenever I can't finish a piece or a project. So there's times when I feel like there, there definitely needs to be more that needs to be said, or I'm unable to find the right combination that just makes me feel like it is finished. So in those situations, I'm completely exhausted. I'm just racking my mind. But I will tell anybody who's listening who may be a, a writer themselves or aspiring to be one, never force it. Whatever you do, just don't force that, that ending or that completion. Because what you should do is just completely walk away. And once you do and give yourself some time to revisit it and think about it, I'm pretty sure you'll be pleasantly surprised on what you actually create after you walked away and gave your time to just sit with it. Awesome. Awesome. So um, in line with that, what do you consider your writing kryptonite and how do you overcome that? My mind. Um, I've always had a mind that consistently went, 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 went. The best way I can explain it to people is like that old projectors that you'll see just, just throwing room in room, room, room. That's more like the way my mind is like an old time projector. So it, it never really stops. I can start a project, have a great idea. I'll start outlining it and breaking it down. And as soon as I'm knee deep in that project, out of nowhere, a new project pops up, a new idea, a new thought. And no matter how much I'm trying to focus on the original and the subject at hand, my mind is consistently pulling me away to do whatever idea it just gave me. So other than that, you know, we all have the same normal distractions, social media, TV, family, stuff like that, our commitments. But I would definitely say trying to keep my mind in line. Okay. And how do you usually overcome that? Like, what do you do to refocus when you're watching? Uh, what, what I started doing was basically looking at it from a business standpoint. I mean, we all wear, have worn many hats in the workplace. And being a manager in, in for so many years of different things, I just started to compartmentalize it. So if I have, let's say I'm working on a children's book and I'm, I'm, I got the outline going and something else, another children's idea pops in my head, what I'll do is I'll just finish that outline and then I'll move to the new thought 
and create that at line and then I can revisit the original thought. So this way I'm not losing neither one of them right. and they're both going to get attention eventually. I've actually noticed that I've done it more now that I'm doing my adult offerings, whereas I was literally writing a whole chapter for what it was supposed to be my first adult offering. And that chapter spun in, spun into a new idea where I just deleted everything and created a whole nother project off of that, that chapter now. So I think compartmentalizing is the best thing for me. Okay, awesome, awesome. Thank you for that feedback and um, those recommendations. I'm sure that'll be useful for a lot of authors and writers. So do you believe in writer's block? Yes and no. Um, I mean, obviously we've all been in situations, especially in school or even if we're, we're trying to be authors ourselves where you just can't finish something. So I do think writer's block is a real thing. I also believe there's a difference between being stuck and not being able to finish something versus actually having writer's block where nothing is coming to mind. Uh, my solution for that is just pretty simple. I just tell people to write. Doesn't matter what you're writing. Um, doesn't matter if you're rewriting something you've already written. Um, it doesn't matter if you're gonna write down your favorite poem or your favorite song lyrics. Whatever it is, just get back into the action of actually writing. And I believe that you'll notice that your own voice will start to come back and the more that you're doing that, the more your voice will just shine bright. And then from that process, you can just finish wherever you was working on to begin with. And that's worked for me for years and years. Awesome, awesome. So yes, um, I definitely, as you said, I definitely encourage any writers or authors not to force it. Um, and give, your time to give yourself time to step away from it um, and maybe work on a different project and come back to it later. So thanks again for bringing that up. So what inspires you to write? Um, what motivates you to write? Um, life. I mean, I think we, we all have a unique story. Obviously, we're all human beings and, you know, we, we, can, we can talk about things that's going to be experiences that have been shared, but we're all very unique and we all had different upbringings and we've experienced different things, whether it be from elementary, high school, college, doesn't matter if you've been married, divorced and things like that. So I think life in general is always going to be the foundation of my work, whether it be me being an advocate for children so they can make sure that they're reading and learning or if it's me just want to make sure that we have representation within the imaging because unfortunately a lot of children's books it's about 80 percent maybe 82 percent of all children's books have no black or brown representation mm -hmm. and i think that's a mistake yeah so when, when it comes down to me writing anything children or whether it be adult titles it's always going to be something i feel that's going to be needed for the masses as well as something i think is going to be easily digestible and related relatable as well Right, awesome. I'm glad to see that you have a range and that you're actually breaking into um, writing for adults. So that's exciting to hear. Is there anything in particular that made you want to write for adults, um, you know, since you've already written for children? Yeah, my, the, my first decision to actually write, it started out with poetry and I, I did poetry and slam poetry. And I've been published for poetry in newspapers and stuff like that. And then I started doing short stories and I began a book probably 12, 13 years ago. And I did maybe a chapter or two and then I just pushed it to the side, never touched it again. That was actually supposed to be my very first book. That was a book I was working on earlier this year to put out for this year as well when I came up with another idea. So 
when it comes down to adult topics, um, I, I am going to write mostly fiction, whereas I think I always got a good story where it's going to be a story that people can relatable or might just be extremely entertaining. But I, I can't only write for children just because of the simple fact I'm a human being and I'm multifaceted like anyone else. So right. some days I'm going to have good days, some days I'm going to have bad days, some days I'm happy, some days I'm angry. Right. And some days I, I care about children and other days I want to see what the parents or the grandparents might think. Yes, yes. That's, I'm glad that you shared that. Um, as an author myself, I my first book was nonfiction. My most recent book was a book of poetry. I'm working on a children's book. So I'm always excited to hear when authors um, explore the different genres that exist and don't necessarily limit themselves to one genre. Although it's important to develop a niche, and I think it's important to be known, okay, they're they are really good at this particular genre, but sure. I don't think we should just limit ourselves. We could at least try other genres, if nothing else. So I'm excited that you shared that and that you're one of the authors who's open to expanding on um, the different types of, of writing that they, they um, produce. So that's cool. So yeah, as creators, I don't think that we can pigeonhole ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's extremely difficult to stick with one genre when you know you're in a creator and something else is bound to pop into your head. It's, Absolutely. I agree. I agree. So thanks again for, um, you know, giving that insight and encouraging everybody to, you know, broaden their horizons. So earlier in your, when I introduced you, I did, of course, mention that you are the owner of Prevail Publishing. Will you just give us a little bit more information about that and why you decided to start that company? Um, I started Prevail for several reasons. Uh, first and foremost, I learned that self-publishing albeit a terrific avenue for people to bring forth their, their, their creations and their work to actual light. At the same time, you got to remember it's a business. And if it's a business, you have to treat it that you are now in the book business. And anyone who's self-published, you got to understand that if you give outlets your work utilizing their, their ISBNs, you potentially put yourself in a disservice, especially if your work is to become, say, extremely successful. Um, also wholeheartedly believe in ownership. Anyone who knows me knows I'm all about trying to do for self and things of that nature, especially for people of color. So I want to be the one who's going to be in charge of all my titles. I want to be the one who's going to be contacted regarding my work and make the decisions regarding my work. I want to be the publisher on record and control all metadata and all information that's going to be blasted out in social media. And of course, last but not least, I know that there's other people who are, who are just like me or who are just like me and especially those who look like me, <laughs> who have right, projects right. that they'd like to release, but at the same time, maybe they don't know how to get the ball rolling, or maybe they're just not the best at formatting or advertising, or just simply taking their idea and turning it into a tangible item. So for those people in situations, I'm happy to assist, and I hope to be one of the individuals who help their dream to become a reality. Yes, thank you for sharing that. Um, and I'm sure that there are listeners who are looking for a publisher. So um, again, thanks for sharing the background of Prevail Publishing. Um, so what recommendations do you have for authors regarding publishing their, their books as far as marketing? What would you recommend? Um, what I would recommend today is, <laughs> ironically, not the way I did it. Um, <laughs> I didn't really understand everything as with anybody. Obviously, the more you do something, the better you're going to become equipped at it. Mm -hmm. But my recommendation for people right now, if you, if, you, if you are starting to write and or if you even had a project completed and you just haven't put it out yet, I always tell people don't rush to put it directly out. 
maybe try to get some type of movement ahead of time. So start a blog, be, be very um, open and honest and directing your blog, speak about current events, uh, sprinkle a little bit of your own ideology on it as well. Uh, become active on your social media, whether it be replying to people, following people, and you just wanna make sure you have some type of base so when you do your release, you're actually gonna have some other people who are gonna be giving you some of that steam, that momentum, and sharing your projects as well. Um, outside of that, I'm, I'm gonna tell people that advertising online makes sense. I mean, we live in a microwave society. Everybody has the world literally in the palm of their hand. So you might wanna make sure that you are putting up Facebook advertising, putting up Instagram advertising. You can use Amazon advertising. Obviously you can do Google AdWords and stuff like that. So the more you, you mix and mingle, the two from social media all, all the way over to marketing, I think that'll give you a good blast. And last but not least, you wanna always be known and seen and heard locally. So if you have different events going around, become a vendor. If you can do story time at libraries and stuff like that, make sure you're showing up, sign autographs, take pictures, uh, give out signed copies, do anything that's gonna keep people speaking about you, but more importantly, you wanna be present so this way your books are always in somebody's face. All right, that's a very important conversation when I'm working with um, my clients that always comes up, you know, how do I market my book and everything you said, of course, is relevant. So um, I always tell them, you know, social media also, just being involved in the community um, so that people see your face, they know what you're doing, things like that. So um, definitely sound advice that you've given there. So of course, as an editor, I'm always interested to know um, authors experiences with editing. So did you have an editor for your books or did you self-edit? No. I mean, being that the first three offer offerings are children's books and the next two are also going to be children's books, they're not exactly the longest of reads. So for those situations, I just edit it all myself. Uh, my trick has always been the same. I do an outline. I write it out. Uh, I reread it probably a couple hundred times. Um, after that, I'll make sure I read it out loud over and over again just to make sure it flows the way I want. And then finally, I read it backwards. Um, a little tip again, anybody who might have any short stories or doing children's book, and you read something backwards and it'll help you find any type of missing words or overlooked typos because your brain's not going to register what you wanted to read because someone's going to read exactly what's on the paper. So that's a good tidbit. Um, but as far as my adult offerings, they're going to be full-fledged, longer projects, you know, whether they be full-fledged novels or even a novella. For those, I'm going to reach out to an editor because I want to have a clean set of eyes, a new set of eyes, make sure everything is perfect the way I want it, eyes dotted, T's crossed. And uh, I appreciate their feedback, their feedback because obviously they're an expert in that and I am not. I'm, I'm literally the author. But um, all the crucial tidbits, I want their information. I want their feedback. Yes, thank you so much for um, sharing that information. Of course, when I work with my when when I work with my clients, they understand the importance. But sometimes in the beginning stages, I know that authors skip the editing process. It's not necessarily the cheapest part of publishing your book. So a lot of authors just say, "Oh, I'll just do it myself." But I think it is very important to have an expert edit and having that other set of eyes as well, um, so that you don't miss things and everything is clear, um, and that your book is published and sounds the best that it possibly can. So I'm always glad to hear that authors recognize and also appreciate the importance of editors. So thank you for backing me up on that one. <laughs> Absolutely, a good, a good thing I would say about that is, if you had a used car and you were gonna sell it, 
no one sells that car dirty. They always wash it and clean it ahead of time. So make sure, sure you sure. polish your book before you put it out. All right. That's the perfect analogy. I might uh, use that. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Um, just one more question for you. Um, what authors or writers or poets inspire you to write, um, to share your story, to um, share your story with the world? So I got into writing. I mean, obviously, everybody wrote something as a child, and I had some experiences as a child writing some things that wasn't the best of feedbacks. But once I got older, I was 19, 20 years old. I was sitting in my mother's living room, and I decided to watch Deaf Poets um, on HBO. And if anyone ever is familiar with that show, the very first episode, inaugural episode, uh, had a poem by Black Ice entitled Bigger Than Mine. I was completely blown away. That was the first time I actually seen somebody who looks like me, who grew up in my environment, because I'm from South Jersey. He's from Philadelphia, 15 minutes difference. And he can tell a story and point, point out things that I directly understand and relate to and is considered poetry. I, I was completely blown away. I did not know that had to be poetry. I always thought poetry had to be Shakespearean. And um, from that night, I wrote my very first poem and I've been writing ever since. Um, outside of poetry, I, I'm big on self-help books. You know, uh, obviously people read things like Think and Grow Rich. I, I read that when I was young. So I love those. My favorite all-time book is uh, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, now, but as far as fiction, my current favorite authors will be Carl Weber and Eric Jerome Dickey. I like their style. I like the way they weave in and out of African-American culture, but they can still go into quote unquote modern society and still come back to our culture. I just, I love their writing style. Um, so those two are my favorite guys. And I, I would love to see their, their books be turned into say film projects and movies, even more so than Carl Weber already has. That's awesome. Um, it sounds like you have some really great inspirations for your writing and I'm sure that you um, try to infuse some of their, um, you know, some of the motivation you get from them into your own writing. So thank you so much for giving us that insight into your writing style and the writers and, and um, artists that you appreciate and admire. So it has been a pleasure speaking to you, getting to know you. How can we keep in touch with you? Do you have social media, a website? How can we keep in touch with Basim? All of the above. Um, you're not going to know many by themes, you know. Shout out to my <laughs> parents for that. But um, you can you can reach me on my website www.basimagregit.com. Um, you can also reach me on Instagram. That's b underscore the author. Facebook. You can follow the Prevail page, Prevail Publishing Group, or you can even message me or friend request me at basimas.greg. Again, you're not going to find many by themes. Just look for the brother. That's me. <laughs> awesome that is great again thank you for your time thank you for telling us more about yourself i appreciate you being a guest and thank you all for listening to editor knows best um this episode will be it airs well the show airs every monday at 7 p.m so you can tune in anchor.fm slash editor knows best thank you all be safe and be well thank you thanks